and we are recording now. All right. So, um, how about you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? All right. I'm, my name's Christopher Keogh. I am a first generation Cambodian immigrant. Uh, my parents came here in 76, I believe. Um, we lived all over the East coast when we came over and, uh, I was born in new Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, we moved to Stockton, California when I was five and pretty much been here ever since. Uh, went to school for a year in Portland, Oregon, and uh, that's about it, really. All right. So uh, what brought your parents here exactly? To the States? Yeah, to the States. Uh, well, my dad was a, um Air Force in the Cambodian Air Force, in the Khmer uh, Air Force. And um, mm -hmm. he flew transport planes for the Americans in Vietnam. Uh, he was trained by uh, American, the American Air Force. So we were fortunate. That's how we actually got into the States because um, his, his teacher, his flight teacher sponsored him and my mom and my brother to come to America. So uh, I believe they live with them for, for a couple, for a couple months or maybe a year or so. And then, you know, Oh, that's pretty so, cool. I, yeah. That's how we got into the States. So we actually fought in the war, like against, um, okay. So like, I guess it'd be against North Vietnam, uh, and the Khmer Rouge, the Khmer Rouge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so he, your family got out uh, before the uh, genocide, then, or? Uh, well, I mean, it was it was still happening. It's still happening. Okay. Yeah. So, interesting story. Uh, my dad flew into Thailand when the capital city fell. Uh, he took my my mom and um, other family and other um, a wife of another pilot. When everything fell, we they just left and fled to Thailand. So, um, we didn't really. I mean, our family didn't really escape the, the genocide. Um, on my mom's side, her dad, her brother, her mom, gone, um, was killed. Um, half of my, on my dad's side, kinda. Uh, they're they're scattered. A couple of them that are still alive. Um, basically me and my immediate family are the only ones that are in America. Uh, we have like a second cousin on my mom's side. Oh, my dad's side. No, my mom's side. And they, they, you know, we, I call them grandma, grandpa, stuff like that. We have aunts and uncles, but I mean, immediate family is just our family. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you do have some family left in Cambodia, you mean? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, my dad's side. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been able to go. Um, it's really not the best time, obviously, with COVID and all that stuff. But besides that, politically, um, it's very hostile. Uh, my parents are involved in trying to get a governmental structure, you know, democracy that's set up. And uh, for the last couple of years, they've been assassinating people. And yeah, it's been a little crazy as far as that goes. Um, we know people that are trying to, you know, just set up a, a democracy and you know 
give rights to the people, but the Communist Party, I mean, they own everything. They own the army, and they could really do whatever they want. So, um, so yeah, it's wow. a little hard. Yeah, I, I didn't realize, I don't know, it's still that bad in Cambodia. I thought, I don't know, because I think things are better in Vietnam right now, right? Yeah, Vietnam's pretty stable. Mm-hmm. Um, from what my parents tell me, um, a lot of other countries are buying out land of Cambodia, and the government doesn't really care. They're kind of money hungry, so they're selling everything and all their resources and stuff like that because, you know, they just get rich and they don't care about the the poor. So, oh, that, wow, that's horrible. Yeah, it kind of sinks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's Cambodia and Laos that aren't doing as well, right? They're doing okay. I mean, mm-hmm. Vietnam's pretty. I mean, they're pretty stable. Mm-hmm. From what I could tell, Thailand's pretty stable. Oh yeah, I, I visited Thailand a while back, and like, I don't know. I remember um, they said their relationship to Cambodia was like, I don't know. A lot of Cambodians will immigrate to Thailand, and they'll take on a lot more of the, uh, I don't know, like janitor work and things like that. Okay. Yeah, like like lower wage kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Sorry, jobs. Okay. And a lot of Burmese and, and immigrants as well because of the genocide Myanmar um yeah 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 Thailand and Vietnam definitely I think are the more stable countries in the region but yeah Cambodia I I didn't quite I mean I didn't know how they were doing I didn't know they were doing that bad and I think I remember reading somewhere that Laos is considered like one of the I don't know I think they're one of the more oppressive countries like one of the most oppressive countries in the world or something like that Mm, sounds about right I mean I'm not too sure but I'm not either but I don't know. I, I need to research it more. Uh, I think, well, that probably leads me to my next question. Um, I don't know. Why don't you think more people know about this? Like that Cambodia had all these problems and that they're still experiencing all these problems. It's just something that's not really taught. I mean, it it's part of Cambodian history. It's not part of American history, even though we, we are somewhat you know related because we were in the same war. Um, I mean, I'm so glad that America even did what they did. I mean, my family and so many others would not be here in America or alive in general without the help of, you know, the American support. So, and to be able to immigrate here because of a war, which, you know, obviously kind of sucks, that's a reason why. But, I mean, we're so grateful and blessed that we are here. Um just it's just kind of hard to just even think about like how many more millions could have been affected you know or mm-hmm. killed or you know the communism just takes everyone out and only the the few on top you know they they stay alive and they reap the benefits of destroying everyone else i see it so yeah wow. yeah i think um I don't know, like, whenever we uh, hear about the war uh, the U.S. fought in, like, Southeast Asia, you know, we hear about how, I don't know, it was horrible for Vietnam, and we did all these atrocities, but, I don't know, I, I don't think people really want to talk about, like, you know, like like you, like, you actually were saved from the atrocities that happened mm-hmm. there, and, like, I don't know, I don't think people want to talk about how thing, how much worse things got after we left. I mean... Regardless of how 
unjustified it was that we got in, which you can make a fair argument for. I don't think people want to talk about like how much how worse it got after we left, which is kind of interesting. Well, I mean, it's just the history of it. Like, you know, in the seventies, it was all about peace and all the other stuff. And uh, I, and like you said, you can make a fair argument why we should have not been there. I mean, as far as America goes, shouldn't have been in that war. But I mean, we. I mean, I, I'm an American, obviously, so I am going to say something different. Like, you know, us as a nation, we've always been that. You know, kind of not necessarily the police of the world, but kind of. You know, we we don't want this genocide to happen around the world. We do um, get into, um, you know, having sanctions and sending troops and sending aid and sending support, you know, to other countries that are being oppressed. I mean, I think that's one one thing that does make America great because we do that. We are helpful. And, you know, people could argue, oh, we just go to places to, reap the benefits or take oil or whatever. But I mean, a lot of the news media and a lot of history that's being, I think kind of tweaked and miscued and a lot of history that the people that are affected positively from Western and uh, American intervention, they don't, they don't tell those stories, you know, like I said, how many more millions could be killed, you know, if they didn't intervene or even send troops or, and yeah, you could say there's so much stuff that's bad, but I mean, it's all in hindsight. You could say everything's bad or everything's good. It's just depending on the perspective. So I, I, my, me and my family, I feel we're grateful. So. All right. So you mentioned um, that you're one of the only conservatives in your family. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I think I'm a conservative. Well, my parents, I mean, they were card-carrying Republicans. <laughs> I, we, I mean, I found the cards in the, you know, the Republican Party, and you know they're so proud when they got their little plaque from, uh, I think it was George Bush. You know, they send the, you know, thanks for your donation, and they had it on the wall and it was just like something we didn't really talk about, but we're like, Oh, we're proud to be Americans. You know, you know, they're citizens and you know, they, they just love this country as well. So as far as being the only conservative, I think, I guess my parents were kind of lost into it. I mean, they believe what they believe. We really didn't talk about it, you know, as kids. Um, I would say I'm the only conservative between my brothers because they both, you know, went to higher education, got degrees. I think there's a lot of, you know, leftism and stuff that is just implemented into the higher education. My little brother has his master's degree in education. So oh, we no. Yeah, so we differ. I mean, I love him to death, but we just differ on things. My older brother has his liberal arts degree from the same school that I was going to. And I would say I'm not... And, and back in the day, I guess, I was more like, I voted for Obama twice. It was more identity politics, you know, why can't we have a black president, you know? And just within eight years of him being president, I didn't see a change, you know? That was something that he campaigned on. And I think a lot of things in a lot of aspects got worse. 
you know, Antifa started under him, Black Lives Matter started under him, under the Obama administration, and, you know, learning more about Joe Biden and all that stuff, all that crappy stuff. He's been in politics forever, 47 years, and, you know, I've heard the speeches he said, and I'm just like, but besides that, I mean, yeah, I would say I'm the more conservative. Uh, my sister-in-law got her law degree um, in 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 Portland. No, not Portland. Yeah, in in you know Pacific Northwest. So right. that's the liberal area to begin with. I mean, just the ideologies that are taught into schools, and some people know, some people don't. You know, Marxism and leftism. You know, they took over the schools. Really, if you're conservative and you're a teacher in these higher higher educations, you can't really say anything. You'll be blacklisted and stuff like that. And I don't know. I just, I guess, I am going back to school now for my nursing degree. So, uh, just because I didn't finish school, you know, I graduated in 2002. I'm a little older. Um, so I don't think I was indoctrinated as much as, you know, my, my siblings or my sister-in-law and, uh, I think they have good hearts. I think that's, I mean, I, I know so many quote unquote, you know, liberals or Democrats, they follow that, that ideology. They have beautiful hearts. I just think we differ on the solutions to get, you know, to common goals. And I don't know if we have common goals now sometimes. I think there's a lot of screaming and back and forth. And it's just the division that's going on in this country is is pretty, pretty nuts. Yeah, it's definitely gotten a lot worse to the point that, I don't know, both, this is kind of true for both sides. I feel like there's just no more good faith. Like there's no more belief that the other side really just wants the best for everyone. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, I agree with you on that, just because we're just kind of screaming at each other, screaming, you know, these talking points that both the left and the right been yelling at each other for years, and I think people are actually starting to believe it, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, you are conservative, you're you know, automatically deemed a racist, stuff like that, but how we're talking about history, I, I don't see that you know, in the history books, like conservatives or Republicans, they had black representatives back in the 1800s where you could see the Democrat and the liberal party. They didn't start having until the, you know, the, the forties, 1940-ish, I think, or maybe even later, you know, like representation of, you know, black people, African-American mm-hmm. people, um, and there's a, a lot of misconceptions and I, I don't think the news media helps at all. I don't think social media helps that at all. We're all, you know, posting memes and little clips on everybody to, you know, the, the gotcha moments and stuff. And I get it. It's just how we live our lives today. We're in meme culture and we, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, but I just, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a tough rough time and COVID doesn't help. No, you know? no, it doesn't. We're not able to speak to each other, you know, face to face and, you know, we kind of 
talk about each other on the internet and stuff like that, and that doesn't help anyone. Oh yeah, it doesn't help at all. Um, yeah, I uh, to go back to the institution thing. I don't know if you know this, but I watched a video from Jonathan Haidt recently. Um, he said okay. that originally it didn't used to be this bad. Like originally, um, back in the schools, there'd be like maybe a three to one ratio of conservatives and progressive minded people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously schools are more progressive, like in general, and the people who teach are more likely to be progressive. But he said, um, I think it started in 1994 and went till 2010 and maybe it's still present, but the ratio changed. It went from uh, three to one progressive to conservative. One to 10, maybe? 14 to one. Whoa. Yeah, uh, progressive to conservative. So uh, he said um, the primary reason for it was during the 60s, pretty much everyone who was wanting to get master's degrees were, well, all the conservatives who would have wanted master's degrees were off fighting in the war. So everyone else, um, you know, it was the hippies and the people fighting for civil rights and things like that. And that's kind of what's caused this ratio. And that's kind of what's caused this, I mean, massive bias in the schools. I mean... I know. A movement, I mean, kind of thing. Like, let's take over. I mean, Marxists and stuff like that were like, let's take over the education. I mean, I've, I've listened to so many podcasts and, and read so many kinds of books. I'm not even a reader, but I think a lot of this stuff and history and people's perspectives are really interesting to me. And I try not to stay in my own dogma of, you know, who I like to follow. But some of them, just like Thomas Sowell. Such <laughs> brilliant, brilliant man, you know, and he, he takes all the emotion out of, you know, and just lays out the facts, lays out statistics, lays out evidence, which some people just don't want to hear. And I think it's, it's, it's horrible that people like him that are, are not more well known, you know, and he's been fighting this fight, if you could call that you know, since the seventies, you know, and mm-hmm. people like him are, you know, brushing under the rug where, you know, you have other people, other books, other stuff that's, you know, highly recommended in, you know, academia it's, and you know, what is it? The sixteen nineteen project and stuff like that. It's trying to paint America as just a racist, you know, or just a lot of biases and kind of write history, I think. I agree. Um, So I guess this kind of leads me to my next question. So do you know much about how the Khmer Rouge took power in Cambodia and perhaps if there's some similarities to that and what's happening right now in our country? It started in, from what I've known, from what I've from what I read, it, it started because of Second World War. Um, the Russians, communist Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Soviet Union. Yeah, so took over, not actually took over, but influenced a lot of uh, leaders that are coming up. Um, and, you know, all that, all the other stuff in the, you know, Mao with his China and mm-hmm. Stalin and um, I lost it. I guess, um, yeah, so after World War II, wasn't Cambodia still under French power? Like, was yeah, it... yeah. 
we were still, I mean, we were colonized by the French. My dad spoke French. Oh, really? So that's pretty recent. Um, but just the, just how communism spread and the, the just bad ideas that were implemented by bad people, but they got to power, you know? So, and it's still going on today. Like you just, it's, it's easy to be, you know, a communist in a free country. It's hard to be a free person in a communist country, you know? So, right. Uh, do you think there's any particular factors that led it to occurring in Cambodia more than, I don't know, like, for, I mean, it's not like communism took over in every country, but it did seem to take hold in countries like Cambodia, but it didn't take hold in uh, Thailand, for example. Although Thailand wasn't a, a European colony, but still communism didn't really take hold there. Do you have any ideas on why that might have I think been? the... Um the powers that were in place before because we did have a monarchy before i believe mm-hmm. and they just kind of gave in and sold out you know they wanted the money they don't care about their resources like today it's still going on so it was all about you know keep me in power i will you know follow whatever and we could just let everything go and keep me in power so i can make more money so my family could be rich. And I believe he studied, Pol Pot studied, I mean, don't quote me on this. I believe he studied or was influenced by um, either Stalin or one of the communism, communistic. Um, Marx? Mar- maybe Marx, oh, maybe Marx. I'm not sure. I think I read that somewhere before, but it's kind of getting all my history correct. I mean, that's one thing that I'm working on. Well, I don't know. It's possible he might have studied in France, and there might have been some... Uh, <laughs> communism was kind of present in France, even during World War II, so... Mm-hmm. Maybe that's how it happened. I don't know. It's just a theory. Yeah, the French Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Is like uh, pre-Marxism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, um, uh, so you said you talked to some of your family members, and okay. So, what are some of the conversations you have with your family members? Because they obviously believe some very different things from you. So, how did how did okay? Here's a better question. Um, how do they look back on their history from uh, Cambodia? Like, how do they perceive it? I would say it's just a tough subject. We really don't, you know, we kind of beat around the bush if we do talk about our history. Mm-hmm. Stuff. It's just a really hurtful and, you know, hurtful past. I mean, my, my mom on a, my mom's side, she has no real family kind of left. And, you know, my dad's side, he only has half of his family and, you know, they my dad fought in the war and, you know, people that he knew died and uh, other, other pilots were killed and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm not sure. It's just, we don't really talk about it, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. Like it, it doesn't seem like, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't imagine families would want to gather around the dinner table and talk about genocide. So 
Yeah, I mean, I wish we did. I, me and my brothers always talking about like interviewing my dad. He has so much history and so much knowledge that he could just or just be able to put in some sort of like family book or something. Um, I guess that's something that we should probably work on. He's seventy four now, so I mean, he's not in amazing health. He's had many health problems uh, throughout his life, and but. You know, he's still kicking and he's the, you know, the bravest selfless man I know. Like he's always had a smile, even though he's going through all these trials and, and health scares. But I mean, I, I attribute that to, you know, his faith. I mean, he's, he was a pastor. He shepherded our family, shepherded so many other families. So I mean, our belief in God is um, definitely kept our, our family strong. When, so, when did he become a pastor? Like, after uh, so it just feels like forever, honestly. I think he went to San Jose Christian College or Concordia. Maybe it's one of those. Mm-hmm. He had plaques all over the wall because he, you know, he got his uh, bachelor's degree, I believe, in that. And so, and we, he just started sprouting churches in all over Stockton, really. And it wasn't like a denominational thing. We, I, I've been to Methodist church, Trinity, Baptist churches. Like he just wanted to open churches. I don't know if it was, you know, I mean, church has its own politics and it breaks up and stuff like that. Um, but I remember going to dozens and dozens of churches when I was a kid until, you know, I kind of found my own faith and went to my own church. And I've been going there since I've been, since I was 13 now. So, yeah, so we were everywhere until then. How'd you uh, come to your own faith? You, I think you wanted to talk about that at one point. Um, well, my, so I go to Church of Christ. Right, that's uh, how we know each other. Yeah, so my brother was friends with a guy that went to Church of Christ. So... Um, one year he took me to SBC, Sierra Bible Camp, and I think I was 10 at the time. Oh, nice. And, and my first time, you know, camping, and I'm sure I wasn't prepared for this kind of experience. I mean, the only thing I've done camping-wise before that was probably a science camp or something like that. <laughs> so um, it was just an amazing time. I mean, you know, you've been to SBC. It's just a great place to um just get away and, you know, kind of see God for, you know, in other people and yourself and uh, just get away from all the distractions down the hill. So um, my dad, uh, my brother went to college basically after that. So a couple of years, I, you know, I wanted that. I wanted that relationship. I wanted those kind of people around me. Uh, so I, uh, when I was 13, um, my, I told my parents, I want to go to that church. Didn't know really know anyone. So they dropped me off and picked me up, you know, like an hour after service was over because they had their own. I mean, I'm sure a lot of ethnic churches just run long, but, um, <laughs> so they would pick me up and I would just, you know, I was in the youth group. I had so many good mentors, um, and I just stuck with it and, I mean, I'm on the camp board now for our church, and um, 
that was a youth leader and just a whole bunch of stuff like sprouted because of that one time my, my brother brought me to you know bible camp so i think that's super cool and you know that's kind of a god thing in my mind you know um all the relationships i've gotten from that experience and um being being able to meet people like you and other camps and uh other people that just believe what what i believe and kind of nurtured me and helped me grow. So I'm super happy about that. Nice. Yeah, SBC is definitely a very special place, and uh, I miss it a lot, honestly. Yeah, it sucks that, you know, couldn't have it this year. It's a lot of broken hearts. <laughs> I also just haven't been able to go for years because I don't know, college. And, well, yeah, and you're busy. Yeah, and now I'm not even in California anymore, so – yeah all right so um i guess my last question for you is so you see what's happening with the election and everything the different candidates um you listen to lots of podcasts and you're pretty informed uh where do you see the country going with everything happening right now well i just think i mean everything's going messy it's a lot of infighting it's a lot of things that are just kind of out in the weeds. And obviously we saw the, the debates. It was pretty, I still think, you know, the liberal media and stuff like that. And it's going to attack Trump because he won 2016. He pissed a lot of people off. Uh, he talked crap to all the reporters' faces and stuff like that. He's just a brash businessman, you know, and, He's a billionaire from New York. Yeah, he's not a politician. And I, I like that. You know, Joe Biden's a career politician. He's been government for 47 years, and I don't know what he has good to show, except, you know, kind of racist policies and, you know, kind of losing himself. And I, I feel kind of bad for him because, you know, he's some sort of, you know, cognitive decline. I mean, and there's, it's not, it, I think it's, Trump and Pence versus Kamala. And I don't like Kamala at all. Oh, I hate her. She's the most progressive, far left-leaning candidate ever. You know, even, even uh, I think it was, even sources that were, uh, were kind of, what is what am I trying to say? The There was some sort of bipartisan website that, like analyzed her voting habits and what was it yeah analyzed they're analyzing her and how progressive she is and yeah i, I just think I, any politician from california especially left politicians i mean there's not a lot of republicans coming out of california well, i mean for ronald reagan was from california he used to yeah, be a democrat yeah. used to be yeah i yeah. mean he felt as he says, um, the Democrat, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. They left me. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I yeah, from her track record, uh, her, I mean, I'm very pro-Second Amendment. She basically hates guns, wants to take them all the way. And you see, just see all the campaign speeches, you know. I'm going to appoint uh, Beto O'Rourke to take all your guns. And you don't need a, you know, a certain type of gun. Just get a fine and i just think the left has gone too far left i think right hasn't been 
extreme right, if you want to even call that. I I think the left just has gone kind of crazy. Yeah, I, they're hiding the ball anymore. I I watched another uh, video by Jordan Peterson where he talks about this technical problem. He says like with the right, they've kind of learned where the line is. It's with you know racism. I mean, you can pretty much tell the far right from you know a rational moderate person on the right by if they're racist or not and that's kind of where you can tell the line but the problem with the left is there really isn't a line like how how can you really tell a far left person from a moderate left person i don't know if you can now i mean he offered an interesting solution for it he said um the line could be uh seeking equality of opportunity not equality of outcome I, I could see that. I, I want equality of opportunity, you know, as a just as a decent human being. But I think they've gotten to a point where I want the far left wants to get everyone. Everyone should be rich, you know, or everyone should have this opportunity. Like you have so many, you know, graduates of that are you know working at Starbucks because they've gotten into certain type of schooling that doesn't have a job afterwards but it makes them feel good so they spend a hundred grand on school and they're pissed off at the system that they don't have a two hundred thousand dollar job lined up for them but you're you know you majored in something that doesn't have that so that's kind of your fault but i don't know that's another thing i don't like about the education system i think it's highly flawed oh yeah I think there definitely could be some solutions with the education system that aren't being talked about. Well, I think some people on the right are talking about like school choice and charter schools and things like that, which can help. But are you talking about colleges or? I mean, in in general, general, Mm -hmm. I think colleges, there's a, there's a big flaw. Like you have these professors that are making 300, $400,000 you know, and, you know, having these weird diversity inclusion uh, titles and stuff like that. And, you know, all these kids are paying buco bucks for college still, and they're doing it online. You know, they're trying to keep a system going that hasn't really worked. Yeah, what's interesting is, like, I don't know, all the college stuff is online. Well, a lot of the college stuff is online right now, but the price is the same. That makes no sense. Right. You know, you're not paying for the lights, you're not paying for the upkeep, you're not paying for the buildings, the parking pass, whatever. Why am I still paying the same amount of money? And I think this model of schooling is probably going to change because of it. You know, people are understanding, like, why am I paying the same amount of money to go to school online? You know, but, well, I hope something changes. I do too, especially since I'm in a lot of debt myself. Um, <laughs> do you want uh, all the debt canceled? I don't know about that. I just, I don't know. I'm looking for a job in finances. I'm hoping that'll just pay it off instead. And then I can, I don't know, go back to school and get something else that's a little more, I don't know, more appealing to me than engineering. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, or do you think we covered about everything? Or I think we're pretty good. I just, I don't know. I kind of want to 
put my two cents on something. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of disinformation about Trump in general that's going on where you could watch full speeches and, you know, the left leaning or not even, you know, they're supposed to be objective, but they're super left and they don't really care anymore pulling stuff out, out of context. And, you know, just the last debate, uh, Chris Wallace pointed out, you know, are you going to condemn, you know, white supremacy and the KKK, which in my opinion, it's not a problem in America. I mean, I don't see it. I don't see the KKK running around, you know, like Antifa is in the thousands destroying cities and stuff. If it was a problem, you know, of course, let law enforcement take care of it. You know, Trump designated them as a hate group and, you know, domestic terrorists, of which what more can you do? You know, I just think it's crazy where people are still toting these uh, false debunked, you know, talking points and still calling, oh, well, he didn't, you know, denounce the KKK and stuff like that. Um, he could do it every five minutes and you won't care because you'd say, oh, he didn't do it when I wanted him to do it. You know, and I think that's just the media and stuff like that, which is, it's so much disinformation. I mean, people that I talk to like, oh, you just believe what Fox says. I'm like, but think about it. Fox is one network, and I say ninety-five of the rest of are left-leaning. You know, as far as objective news, and I think it's when they do spout all these craziness and, and stuff like that, and trying to low-play real bad stuff that's going on. You know, the riots, the you know burning and looting and stuff like that, which I don't think is you know necessarily you know, most people in Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, I think there's a crime of opportunity that's there, you know, to to create havoc and, you know, especially going on in Portland, you think about it, you know, all these people, like we were talking about, have degrees and they're working at Starbucks and they hate their lives and Portland doesn't have any sun. I think that's part of it. You know, you get really depressed there. They just want something to do and why not, you know, let off steam and, throw Molotov cocktails and stuff, which I don't, I don't think is right. Has anything like that been happening in Stockton or not really? We've had protests and, you know, peaceful protests. I know people that have gone to these and, you know, I, I think, sure, it, I, this is your First Amendment, right? I believe this country allows peaceful protests. That's in, you know, the document. But when you loot, steal, we've had our local Walmart had to, you know, put pallets in front of the doors and lock everything up because, you know, they broke into the mall, stole shoes and stuff like that, or broke into Walmart and stole stuff. Like when it's when it gets to that, I, I, it's not a pro. It's not a protest. Right. It's just anarchy and a crime of opportunity, you know. And I don't think we should allow that to happen. That's fair. Seems very very fair. And the more bis the businesses that are being affected and no one's really talking about are minority owned businesses, black owned businesses. And, you know, you got these Antifa, you know, white kids in Antifa destroying black owned businesses. How is that helping anyone? You know, it's, it's not. Just crazy. 
it's just crazy. I, it's just sad. I, I really don't want that uh, to be taken over of, of a country that's so great and that's been so good to my family. And I, can it be better? Sure. But I think how we get to there is not that. It's not lawlessness and destruction. It's actually talking to each other and, you know, coming up with solutions. Wise words. All right, Keo. Uh, thanks for talking with me. I really enjoyed it. Um, hope, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, have a good day. All right, you too. Bye.